0: Welcome to The Lead, a podcast where we learn how to get ahead in the media industry from the people who did it. I'm Nate
1: Bramwell. And I'm Noelle Lashley. On today's episode of The Lead, we talk to Steve Inskeep of NPR's Morning Edition and podcast Up First. Inskeep first began his work at NPR in 1996 as a political correspondent. His interview subjects have ranged from famous figures such as former President Barack Obama to everyday people, including his mother, a retired English teacher. In this episode, we talked to Inskeep about the importance of using characters and audio stories, how to work with shrinking attention spans, and how the media landscape is changing in radio and beyond. Thank you so much for meeting with us. I know that you have a plane to catch, so take it away, Nate. So yeah,
0: um, we were hoping uh, – the goal of this podcast is just very much to talk to people leading the way in media currently. Um, leading
2: the way? I don't think that's going to be me, but
0: I'll do what I can. Go ahead. Right. Don't give yourself enough credit. We are really interested um, not only just to hear about how you got started a little bit of your story in a condensed version, but also um, just – In the current day, 2017, what it's like to still tell audio stories and how that has still stayed around and what it looks like. You bet.
2: Uh, Well, I'm a guy from Indiana. Um, I went to school in eastern Kentucky at Moorhead State University and then lived in New York for a little while. Did some freelance work there for various public radio stations. I was an intern for a public radio station, and I ended up doing some work for NPR and ended up getting hired there full time. Um, essentially the approach that I've taken all my time at NPR is what do they need done that nobody else is willing to do and I'll do that whether it's working in the middle of the night or going to a war zone or whatever and it turns out that you can find some of the most amazing stories that way now you also asked about telling audio stories in this environment in this world where it seems like everything is about video Um, it's turned out to be a really useful way to tell stories Years ago, I met this guy who was an executive producer of one of the old-time network evening newscasts, and he said, you're in a better field for journalism, actually, because on radio or in audio, people pay attention to the story you're telling and the words that you wrote and what you say, whereas on TV, you're continually trying to make sure the images don't detract from the words you're trying to say. Someone might be making a brilliant statement, but all anybody watching him is thinking is he's got one hair out of place, you know? It's really different. Um, And I said, why are you working in TV if that's how you feel about it? And he said, I got two kids in college and a mortgage. He can make a lot of money doing that. Uh, But on some level, he was kind of cranky about it. I don't think he totally hated it by any means, but he had this complicated view of it. Uh, Radio has turned out to be a really interesting place to be in this world that we live in. First, because audio is great for multitasking. People are so busy, but they listen to Morning Edition when they're still in bed, uh, getting out of bed, brushing their teeth, taking a shower, uh, making breakfast, taking care of a kid, uh, driving the car, especially driving the car. Millions of people are listening that way in a way that you might have the TV on in the background, but you don't really follow it. And if you're, like, on YouTube looking at videos or reading Facebook, you're kind of just doing that, you know, or maybe ignoring the person in front of you while doing that, you know. But it doesn't work as well for multitasking. And a lot of people have fit NPR into their lives. The other thing that's happened in the last decade, decade and a half that's huge is podcasting. Um, NPR has called itself the world's largest podcaster. I'm not sure that's true every year, but it's one of the biggest producers of podcasts. And uh, we now do one. In addition to Morning Edition, mm-hmm. we do this thing up first, this 10-minute news podcast, first thing in the morning, that gets out, gets out into the world before 6 a.m. most days mm-hmm. um, with updates later on. And that is a huge and growing field. Nobody knows how huge it's going to get, but millions of people are spending millions of hours digging into an in-depth story. You know, our podcast is short. It's 10 minutes long, and people tend to listen to the end. But I could also listen to the podcast of uh, my colleague Elise Spiegel and a couple of her colleagues who put together this thing called Invisibilia, which is amazing, and they're typically like 58, 59 minutes, and it's one story. Um... And they're great, and they pull you through. Maybe you run out of time and have to finish it later, whatever, but but they're great writing and great storytelling, and people stick with it, which is one other point that I want to make. We have assumed often that nobody has an attention span, that that's totally different than a generation or two ago, that we're constantly distracted by Twitter or whatever else, and all these things, of course, are totally true and yet if you think about your own life or your friends' lives, you know that the opposite is simultaneously true, that people will binge watch Homeland or some program and they'll watch 20 hours of it in a week or something. (laughs) If you get people hooked on an interesting story, they will give it time and they will stay with it. And so the challenge in whatever medium you're working is to just tell a great story and not let anything get in the way with the best story you can tell. What other advice do you have for students who want to pursue a career in audio storytelling? First, be aware that there are a lot of opportunities. There are not a lot of kind of traditional commercial radio opportunities because they've gone away years ago, but public broadcasting is very strong. Local stations do have news departments. I've heard that WUGA does not have a large news department, I'm sorry to say, but many stations do and maybe that'll change here someday, who knows. Um, And uh, Georgia Public Broadcasting more generally has a lot of reporters. Uh, NPR has reporters around the world as well as producers and editors and other people. And there are a lot of people doing podcasts. Um, And I would suggest if you want to write, try to find somebody who will let you do that. If you want to be on the air, so to speak, try to find somebody who will let you do that at whatever level. If you think you don't actually want to do that, but you want to be involved in producing stuff, try to find uh, NPR or Marketplace or somebody else who will let you be a producer, an assistant producer, a production assistant, whatever the way in might be, and just keep asking the editors, what can I do for you? you know, Or here, I have this idea. What do you think about this idea? Um, and if you get into a decent organization, you'll discover that they need to be putting out new stuff every day. And so there's a tremendous demand for good ideas. And if you have them and you're able to execute them, you'll get the opportunity to do that. And I'm interested, so
0: like you were saying about The Daily, or, um, or The Daily is The New York Times, but you guys have up first. as yeah. kind of like a front page version of a podcast, yeah. essentially. Yeah. Um, as podcasting is multitasking and, uh, amongst millennials is such a big thing, do you see podcasting becoming... Like, like, what do you see the future? I
2: know you're hinting at it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that radio is going to go away. Um, I forget the exact number, but, you know, a couple hundred million people use the radio still. Um, and the current CEO that we have is an old-time radio guy, which some people were leery of at the beginning because they're thinking, well, the future is digital. And the future is podcasting. What's this radio guy going to do? And one of the things that the radio guy recognized is that tens of millions of people are still listening to us on the radio. And if you package the programs differently and promote them differently, the audience will go up. And in this era where audiences are way more fragmented and a lot of people's audiences are going down, ours have been going up dramatically. And we had a huge increase during the election year, as most news organizations did. But unlike many of them, our audience has stayed up now in the year after, so radio's doing fine, and at least our corner of it, and I think we'll still be doing fine three years from now, or whatever. You'd hate to forecast the future, because the media world changes so fast. But it's doing fine for now. Um, but there's also a lot of people who don't even own a radio. Or if they own a radio, the only one they own is in their car. And you want to reach them where they want to be reached in the way that they want to be reached. I was talking with a guy just last night that I met here in Athens who said, I have uh, Alexa the, uh, you know, in the home. And he has programmed Alexa to play him some podcasts in the morning uh, before he gets out of bed. And he lays in bed and Up First comes on. And a couple of other very short podcasts come on. And then he gets up and moves around and turns on the radio. And so he's doing both things at different times. And I think that's going to be like really normal. You know, if you do a lot of driving, I don't know if you guys have cars, if you're driving a lot at this point in your lives, you may have the same experience that sometimes you want to play the radio and sometimes you want to listen to a podcast and sometimes you want to do whatever else. And so you want to be getting to people on all those different platforms if you can, if you have a large news organization, and make sure that you're just where they want to be and that you can meet their demand.
1: Because I stream you through the App Store all the time. Oh, cool. I'll That's great. i my laptop while I do something, and I love how... Your show also—you break it down into individual segments. Yeah. So if I want, I listen to an interview you did—the um, composer with Toy Story. Oh. I loved that interview, but I didn't have time to listen to everything. So yeah. also, like the pick and choose nature yeah. of podcasting yeah. and posting online.
2: I think yeah. That's- yeah, and that's that's the way that that's the way that I am. I, I've got this. Uh, There's this app, NPR One. Are you using NPR Mm -hmm. One? Okay, so for those who might be listening to this and don't know, it's kind of like Pandora or whatever, you know, that creates your own radio station except with NPR content. And so it feeds you stuff, and it learns a little bit over time what kinds of stories you prefer and what you don't. And they drop in the hourly newscast every now and again. But on a Saturday morning where I have a little more time and I'm like cleaning the kitchen or whatever, (laughs) uh, a podcast that I've never heard of will come on, and... And I'll just end up listening to this podcast uh, about this guy from New Orleans who was African-American and lieutenant governor right after the Civil War and had this amazing career and was basically possibly assassinated at the end of his life. I'd never heard of this dude. And I'm just listening to a 15-minute story about this guy. And then something else will come on, and I love that.
1: Mm-hmm. But it's interesting to see, we talk a lot in Grady about how social media has changed the way that we consume news yeah. and how a lot of people <clears> pick what they're interested in, yeah. but they're still engaging with something. Mm-hmm. But podcasting gives you the ability to engage and pursue more information because you know kind of yes. what you're getting, because yeah. you can focus it down.
2: Yeah, and someone has volunteered to listen, which gives you license if you can hold their attention to talk for a long time about a topic. And that's uh, really great, and a really great way to absorb information. And, um, you know, you think about invisibilia that can hold your attention for 58 minutes, if you have the 58 minutes. Mm -hmm. To produce 58 minutes of compelling video, unless you got incredibly lucky and you, like, (laughs) witnessed a hurricane or whatever, like, to do that is a proposition that would cost millions of dollars. Um, And to promote it is something that would cost many more millions of dollars. To distribute it everywhere you wanted it to be, to find an audience, would be huge. With the 58-minute podcast, the scale of all those things is completely different. And there's a lot more freedom for an individual just to be curious about something and go find out everything they can and in a relatively cost-effective way, find an audience that might be an audience of millions of people in some cases uh, who want to find out about it.
1: And I always enjoy that you can go into depth with your characters. Yeah. Because I feel like when I listen to your story, I walk away knowing the person. And I love broadcast television, Uh but whenever I do stories, I feel like it's a quick in, quick out. Like You don't get to know them. But like the one you did, it was a couple of years ago, but you did one with your mom, I think, about her being a teacher yes. right yeah yeah but like i feel like you get to know her because of like the details you put in and the questions you ask and like the atmosphere you create thank you that's different with audio than just audio and video
2: i, I love that you uh i love that you remember that story i'm trying to remember how many years ago that was um it was about something yeah something like that so you must have been like four years old. (laughs) Um, National Day of Listening was what that was for. And they said, go interview a relative. I said, yeah, I talked with my mom and my dad for about an hour, and that was the most interesting three minutes or whatever. Um, And she began telling the story about her mom, who never got to go to college, never got to be educated the way that she was, wanted to be a teacher, which is what my mom became. And when her mom was in junior high school or high school or whatever, They'd ride the bus to school, and it's like 1920-something, and uh, she would write a story and read it to the other kids on the bus on the way to school. And it was such a great image that I'd never heard about my own grandmother. And it just came out because I was just asking her questions. And I, I appreciate that you remember that.
1: Do you think that's the way forward to really hold people's attention through these characters?
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll throw out another word. Character is really important, like who are they, what makes them tick. The related word is narrative. Um, Telling a story from someone's point of view. Where did you come from? How did you get there? Um, What are you doing now? Why are you doing it? And that's how you bring the character alive not by sketching a portrait of them but by putting them into a story, a true story of what they did and why they did it, a story with a plot. Um, I wrote this book called Jacksonland, and it was a great experience because I ended up having two main characters. One is Andrew Jackson, uh, the president, and the other is John Ross of Georgia who was a Cherokee leader who resisted the Trail of Tears for ten years. Um, and I bring them up because I think character and narrative are really important in a diverse country to learn about individuals who are different from themselves and what their stories are like. If I had told a story about Andrew Jackson generically being mean to generic Indians, that would not be nearly as rich and you would not understand the native point of view at all. But by having a main character who was one of the Cherokees, who was fighting him, uh, it became this much more three-dimensional story. And, you know, how did the Trail of Tears happen? This ridiculous event in American history, how did that happen? When you learn the story through those two characters, I would like to think, if I did any good at the book, that you find out by the end, you know. Well, it seems like we're about up with time. Okay. But thank
1: you so much. Yes, thank
2: you Glad so much. Glad to do much. it. Good luck to you guys.
1: You too. Have a safe flight. Enjoy the airport. <laughs> Thank you for listening to The Lead Podcast. This episode was produced by Nate Brammel and Noelle Lashley with the help of Keith Herndon, director of the Cox Institute at the University of Georgia. For more episodes, find us on Twitter at The Lead Podcast.